Welcome back, everyone. Hope you guys have enjoyed the fallout of Spence and Crawford getting announced. We got tickets going on sale tomorrow. Seems like this is the year where all of our prayers in the sport of boxing are getting cashed in. And I feel like we're, we're not even halfway through the year. and There's just more to come. But before we get to my optimism, let me hit you with this. You check in on the, the deep action we got this past weekend in the UK. I actually did watch some of the cards, not like from all right, bottom to top or top to bottom or whatever, but I saw the main events. All right, now let's 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 begin with our boy Michael Conlon. <laughs> Michael Conlon got flattened by Luis Lopez, and a couple weeks ago, I came on this podcast, or maybe I did it on the Patreon, but I said, you know, I was really disappointed in Roly, really, really disappointed because. What I wanted to do coming out of that podcast is have a discussion about who is the least skilled boxer world champion in the sport. And I expected that the the debate was going to be Roley or Luis Lopez. Now, they're two effective guys at what they do, but it just seems like what they do is just like, you know, that, that that's not really sustainable in boxing. Right. Unless you got crazy power or you just, you know, are just like Roly. It's like, look, I'm willing to let you knock me out, but I'm going to try to knock you out first. But what I was disappointed with is that Roly actually took the debate away and was just like, <laughs> no, nah, trust me, it's me. I am the least skilled. Don't, there's no debate that's needed. And then Luis Lopez came out and I don't know that he impressed me. So much so that I was not impressed whatsoever with what we saw from Michael Conlon. I mean, Colin Conlon looked, I don't know what the hell he was doing, but when you fight the way he did, you get the results that he got. Did you catch Carl Frampton? Oh, no, you didn't if you, if you didn't have a BT stream. Carl Frampton saying that Michael Conlon is one of the best counterpunchers that he's ever seen. <laughs> I I didn't hear him say that, but I think I read that he said that. You might have wrote it in the chat. But like, uh, what, what yeah. can you expect I, out of the um, UK? The UK is like overly supportive towards the UK. They take great pride in like being biased, and they're fine with it. It uh, works for them. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't shock me that uh, we'd hear that from uh, Frampton. I just feel like. Carl Frampton got outboxed by Leo Santa Cruz. He's been in the ring with guys like Nonito Donaire. I mean, he even was in the ring with Kiko Martinez, who had a little a little flare-up last year where we thought he might be back. I don't know where he was back from, but he was, he was at least He's in the mix, in the mix, in and the mix. He, 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 but to call Conlon one of the best counter, like, I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he had, you know, done a couple lines before he started. I don't know. But that was wildly off base because Michael Conlon came out and made a, a classic British mistake we frequently see, which is like, you don't try to out Mexican hey, style right. a Mexican. Like, you, you, you don't just, you just don't do it. Like, you ain't equipped to fight that way. 
there's a, a you gotta be smart about how you approach him. Conlin from the first round, I thought for sure that Conlin was going to just box. He's shown in the past he can make a fight boring and he can box. And I th- feel like Luis Lopez is one of those dudes just like if you just flash a jab and don't lose like lose faith in the plan, you probably just get a 12-0 win over this dude. He, he's just going to throw from distance. He's going to load up everything. You should be able to see all these shots because he telegraphs everything. But guys make this mistake of either losing focus or they're just like, nah, I'm a nut up and just, you know, trade with this dude. And like he makes these dudes pay. And I I love to watch it. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of this fight, but for somebody who also thought Frank Conlon was going to win this fight pretty easily, I was like super disappointed. Uh, but I mean, at this point, like, this is what we got with Conlon. He's just not good. He was never good. You know, the fight left me kind of wondering, like, like sometimes I, I, I never really fully trust top rank. Like, no matter what happens. And I kind of wonder if they wanted that outcome. I mean, it's, like, very, like, pessimistic of me. But it's just where my mind goes sometimes. I don't know how long that they had with Conlon. I mean, I feel like Conlon had turned pro long enough ago. And he also hasn't really fought in the U.S. I don't think he's fought pretty frequently in the u.s when in yeah i was memory. wondering when is the last time because they had that little uh you know the same patty's day thing going for a little bit I mean, maybe did it for what like two or three fights no no no. here's what it was see if i remember correctly uh conlon was scheduled to fight st patrick's day week in 2020 but COVID hit and, co- and it was to prevent Michael Conlon from fighting in the U.S. because he had never fought in the U.S. again after that. So how? But he had he he. So what? Like, like two or three times, right? He fought in the U.S. quite a bit, actually. He actually fought more in the U.S. coming up than he did in the U.K. But once COVID, like once COVID hit, this dude spent the rest yeah, of his they, career they, in the U.K. It died down. And I imagine that Top Rank might still have like U.S. options on this dude, or or fights to give that they would need to provide should he continue his career. But I mean, are we sure that Collins allowed in the U.S.? No. So uh, yeah, I mean that's what happens when you get yourself caught up with the MTK stuff. You don't get to come back in the U.S. But at this point, like I think Collins' career is done. He was knocked out pretty badly by Lee Wood. This fight against Luis Lopez, like, he he doesn't really have much of a chin is the problem. And if he, he, he said it himself, he felt off in the fight, but it's like, nah, dude, you just, this is what you look like on this level. You don't got it. And the sad thing is, like, on this level is, like, not really on the level. Like, we're not talking about, like, a pound-for-pound guy that you're getting you knocked out You were fighting by. Shakur, man. Man. You know, I I just think that this is it for Conlon. Unfortunately, this he's he's probably a British level fighter, and not even like the best in terms of like being British level. He'll probably make it to like that British title level. The equivalent here would be like, yeah, you can probably win an NABF title, and and I would say that Kenneth Sims actually had hit that point and it looked like he wasn't going to be able to improve beyond that that level. 
You know, he's got like three losses at this point in his career, but Kenneth Sims was able to break through. I mean, that dude did the work that needed to be done in order to improve himself as a fighter. I don't see that for Conlon. He's already 31 years old. He's moved up and down in weight. It's clear where his limit is. They tried to gift him a title. They literally tried to navigate him into a vacant title shot and pulled out when it looked when they realized the opponent was going to be uh, way tougher than they were comfortable with putting him in. And so, I mean, really, with, with Conlon, it's just, this is it for you. You are what your record states. You are what your performance state. Not a big puncher. Your boxing IQ is not very high. If you can't use your legs you're just going to get knocked out. And and Lopez is the guy that like you should be able to time. You should be able to control him as the ring general. I mean, Conlon's got an amateur like an impressive amateur pedigree and none of that really ma- made any difference against Lopez. And I just want to say, you know, definitely Lopez deserves a lot of credit here because he came in with the correct game plan. He was going to go in and bully Conlon. And if Conlon was really interested in standing his ground against him, he was gonna he was gonna smoke him, and he's done just that. I mean, like, what's the rule for Conlon anyway? Like, I I sense that we're in the midst of a change. I think we're in the midst of a change for all sports. I'm mostly NBA and boxing fan, so I notice it in those sports. But I I think in baseball and football, it's happening. Also, there's like a changing of the guard that's happening across all sports. And what's coming with that is like, there's different dynamics everywhere. You know, like you're, we're, we're getting new meta for each of the leagues or each of the sports. Like in basketball, I think we're going to see more team work, more scouting, more recruiting, more coaching, more GMing. In boxing, I think a lot of these older fighters that were once the young guys, the Errol Spence, the Keith Thurman's, the Danny Garcias, they're out the window. So we're getting a lot of these big fights. And then the young guys are becoming like the stars, the Devin Haney's, the Tanks, the Ryan's. Um, and so like, I don't know. I think the same goes for like the UK too. It's like the, the UK had a couple years now, like a, maybe one or two years before the pandemic and the pandemic and like a year after the pandemic. So like five or six years in total where like the UK was hitting, like it was big business. Um, a lot of popular fighters were coming from that side. People thought like you had to go to the UK to make money, but you know, like <laughs> fight by fight, that's like not true anymore. A lot of these guys are losing to like inferior fighters. The, 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 the shows aren't as hype as they were before. And uh, I mean, you, again, we, I asked you if you wanted to do an episode talking about the bubble bursting. You've talked about it before pretty extensively, but you know, just it, it continues to uh to burst, I guess. And and Mick Conlon is like just the latest victim. And I thought I thought uh Wood was gonna be another victim as well, but he was able to uh you know survive and keep the uh keep the hype train going. All right. Lee Wood, his performance did impress me. Um, but at the same time I liked what I saw from him, and and I think that I feel like he it. I don't know. I, I'm a bit more on the fence about would he have still won that fight if Mauricio Lara had decided to train. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was just about to say. Like, 
was he impressive or was Lara just unimpressive? I was pretty disappointed with Lara's performance, but I, I mean, you know, maybe it was a weight issue. Maybe it was hurt. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I'm not going to like spend too much time like thinking about it. I'd, I'd rather just give Wood the credit. It's a bit easier <laughs> than speculating on what happened with uh, Lara. But he definitely, he laid an egg though, big time. I think, no, I think we can, we, we can talk about both. I think one, Mauricio Lara showed up with like the type of arrogance. And I feel like probably this carried in through all of his training where like this dude had a level of arrogance about this fight. You know, he figured he was just going to go in. He didn't really need to do much training. He knew that like on a, on a pure physical strength level, all he needed to do was catch wood at some point and it would be over. And he was gravely mistaken because one, I mean, he obviously did not train and he looked lethargic for most of the fight. He had no real ideas. He barely won any rounds in this fight. It was, on his part, pretty embarrassing. The state that he showed up in, and there's uh, there's enough to be, you know, there there is an argument to be made that, you know, did the British board kind of screw this guy over by stripping him of the title when potentially he had done something that he's always done over the course of his career in terms of his weight cut, and then they come in, they strip him of his title, and therefore, like, he barely, like, he, he loses his desire, he loses whatever fire he has to win this fight, you know, and therefore that affected the 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 product that we got from him in the ring. So, you know, I don't know that that it, that's true or not, but it is worth acknowledging that that could be something that happened. I think ultimately it's just hubris. You know, this guy wins a world title and then I believe came in overconfident unprepared didn't really lose like at least like he'd fought in the uk before so i imagine that like the way that this played out or sorry not like you know regarding the weight he'd probably gone through this before so like how was he unprepared with his weight cut uh again probably some level of hubris going on right here but Wood fought a good fight. He did what he needed to do. And if you had taken Wood's performance and gave it to Conlon, I think Conlon would have had a much better shot at at least finishing that fight on his feet, but very likely winning. Like Wood understood this time around, he didn't need to try to knock Lee Wood out or he didn't need to try to knock Lara out. He didn't even try to do any of that. It was really just a matter of him scoring the points that he needed to do that he needed to at the times that he had an opening and not trying to get greedy in the ring. And it paid off for him. He, you know, walks away with the title in a fight where he wasn't, I I believe he wasn't even the favorite. And so, yeah, ultimately disappointing performance from Laura, disappointing from Conlon. And like, I feel like the reason why this is disappointing, because it's not like, oh, you lose it, you lose and it's disappointing that you lost. No, it's you lost and it seemed like for the 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 reason why you lost, the decision had happened before either guy had gotten into the ring. With Conlon, it was the choice of game plan that he was in there trying to execute. And for Lara, it was the fact that he either had no game plan or just did not care 
about putting himself in a position in any sort of advantageous position to win. I mean, the like, fight. what can you really expect from these guys though? Like, these are really not like these make way. So I guess my point is like these aren't like like pound for pound quality fighters. I don't even know if these are like like definitively top five guys of their weight class, to be honest. Like, I don't know, maybe what is? Like what what do you think? Is Wood repeat the question? One hundred percent, a top five guy at his weight class. That is <laughs> a difficult question. I'll say that. Okay. The answer is yes. I'll I'll take these guys to beat him though. For Brandon sure. Brandon Figueroa. Also for sure. Ray Vargas. Knockout. Basie Ramirez. Another knockout. Raymond Ford. Now, here are some guys that I think have a shot at beating him. Luis Lopez. Mauricio Lara. <laughs> if he trained. Nick Ball. And Mark, Mark Magus. Although no, I think Magus 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 was gonna move for up. sure was to get him out of there. So, I mean, he's probably not top five then, to be fair. Luis huh? Nunez probably. I think well, Luis Nunez so he's, probably he's, beats him. So, basically, he's not top five then. I think he's a top five guy. I mean, because like on some level, you do have to reward, like you, you can't rank people based off of what how you feel, how good you feel they are. You also have to look at what they've done. And right now, I think he's definitely in the argument for top five. But like, if you wanted to stretch it out, I'm not willing to make that like very clear statement. But if you wanted to stretch it out and like say, well, who, how many guys would beat him, which is a different question than where do you rank him? He could fall okay. out of the top five. I could, I could roll with that. Even though like, because boxing is so like disjointed with as far as like how you're able to get access to belts and stuff like that. I'm very much a believer in like eye test. And so I, I don't always rate, accomplishments as high as maybe others do um but i'm the way you broke it down i'm not mad at that either look i'm not i'm i take both into account i also want to throw something out here which is kind of funny in the top 15 on box rec and we all know box Rec's rankings are clearly head and shoulders above every other ranking <clears throat> only two guys are undefeated who and who? That's pretty crazy. Nick Ball and Raymond mm. Ford. Nick Ball is a dude from the under this weekend. He's five foot two. Just a little Oscar Escondone type of guy. Five foot two fights at featherweight. He he may be five foot two, but he looks like one of the California raisins in the ring. Like just all torso. He, he's like a little geo dude, but um, not he doesn't have a ton of power. But he is aggressive and lands a lot, and his opponent collapsed and was taken to the hospital. I mean, you got to love those guys, right? No, you don't. But we're going to, I think, maybe maybe Nick Ball is on the way to getting an exception. It's also a perfect name for this guy, Nick Ball. Uh, he may be on the way to getting on the list of, like, he's one of our boys. <clears throat> I don't really want to talk about the Lawrence O'Coley fight. I do think it's hilarious that Okoli was down three times. Whether you agree with the knockdowns or not, that's up to you. I really don't care. Uh, 
he got dropped three times in the fight, and somehow there was a 112-112 scorecard. I mean, I don't have much to say about that fight. That fight was so messy and, like, sloppy. Yeah. It, it was messy, it was sloppy, and it was also boring. Just, like, the holy trinity of, like, there's surely... It's, like, the type of fight that makes you question what you're doing, at least for me, at, like, 1 p.m. on a Saturday, that I'm, like, triple screening three cards and I'm watching this one primarily and I'm just like, what what am I doing with my life? Like I really have nothing better to do right now than to watch Lawrence Acoli fight. I mean, there wasn't (laughs) like, there was really nothing going on. So I don't think you should feel too bad about it. No, I I definitely think I should feel bad about it. Not like I'll do anything. I'll be back next week, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, I feel like, like Acoli, I thought was like the big, next guy kind of to come out of the uk and like for him to lose the way he did was like not only was he not supposed to lose to that guy but his performance was like like i'm not even quite sure how you bounce back from such a like lame performance it's cruiserweight like at the end of the day no one cares if we're being completely honest you know with cruiserweight we only care about cruiserweight to the extent that a fight is either imminent or some some level of announcement is imminent because, like, when was the last really good, impressive, like, cruiserweight that could go beyond a conversation about cruiserweight? You know what I'm saying? Like, we only talk about cruiserweights in the context of we're talking about the cruiserweight division. When was the last time we had a guy that was at cruiserweight and we would bring him up in conversations that did they had I mean, like, to do never, with cruiserweight? But at the same time, like, this is... This the answer is the, Usyk. Yeah, but even Usyk the is like... Usyk. And that was one guy in the last 10 years. But who's really talking about Usyk outside of like boxing Twitter? Like nobody. The the cool thing... Usyk got himself on HBO. Like that counts for something. HBO didn't show any cruiserweights for years. And then Usyk comes along and they're like... Eh, kind of like what this I mean, guy's like got HBO, here. I mean, these guys were showing like, like <laughs> the the end of HBO was a struggle, like to be fair. So for Usyk to make it to HBO, it's like, eh. Like, I don't know if that's like the bragging point. I want to. They were trying something, but I mean, you watched Usyk back then. You're like, all right. Yeah, I see it. This guy's good. This guy's real good. And you could talk about that. Like, you were looking at Lawrence O'Coley and saying, hey, man, this dude's good. Like, he, he kind of reminds me of Shakur Stevenson. Maybe he's got a little touch of Jamel. Like, we're not saying that about Lawrence <laughs> but O'Coley. But it's the UK. That's like the brilliance of the UK. It's like, you could be. He's a world champion. This isn't. We're but it doesn't matter, world Nick champion Ball or here. not. You don't have to be a world champion from, if you're from over there. Ball, All you have but... to do is, like, build a nice little fan base and, like, people come out and see you. And, like, that. That is that opportunity is gone with him, in my opinion. I mean, but I, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that, like, we talk about cruiserweight only when it's time to talk about cruiserweight. And these dudes in the cruiserweight division, they only get talked about. We only mention them when the topic is cruiserweight. And then when we move on, we don't talk about them no more. It's like, uh, nope, not going to make that comparison. But you get what I'm saying. All right. Well, that was the fights this weekend. Um, you know, wasn't, wasn't the best weekend 
uh, the, you know, of action that we possibly could have gotten. But I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't bad, I guess I should say. This weekend coming up, you know what we got? I actually don't know what we have. What is this weekend? Ah, uh, wow. Yeah, you just you're just sleeping ah, on the return okay. of course of shields. I'm mad at that. And I think that's about it. I mean, I mean we're in a cool, we're in an interesting space. You know, we went from having like massive like tonnage in terms of fights, and now it's like it's feast or famine. Like we'll have the weekends like this past weekend or this upcoming weekend. And then we'll have like uh, Fulton versus Inouye and uh, Arrow versus Bud the same week. Or like, I mean, who knows what's next? We might get Caleb. I'm sorry, not Caleb. David Benavides versus Canelo. We might get Ryan versus Roley. There's a lot of like interesting stuff that seems to be coming down the pipeline. Just got to hang tight and wait for it. I just want to give a kind of a, a little rundown of the upcoming schedule. So we got Shields, Cornejo this weekend. And then the following weekend, we have uh, a showbox card. Ali Ismailov versus Charles Foster. And then we got Jaime Munguia and Sergei Derevianchenko going head-to-head with Josh Taylor versus Tiafimo Lopez. It's a good night. I mean, you have the best and the worst going, you know, of, of boxing all in one place. And then the following day, we got the most marquee matchup on the entire slate right now. At least that's that's been announced thus far. And that is Floyd Mayweather versus John Gotti III. The following weekend, we got Regis Progate versus Daniel Lito Zaria. Going head-to-head with Tim Zhu versus Carlos Ocampo. Assuming that Tim Zhu's recovered from his dog bite. Which is, uh, yeah, I don't know how you... I don't know how you get bit by a dog. You're a world class fighter. Like, how'd you not? I mean, move should your we hand should we be skeptical about that story, or should we just take it for what it is? I mean, <laughs> do they post any pictures of like his no. arm like mangled? <laughs> it, it, would, it would be hilarious if they had posted a pic of like Tim getting bit, and he's like, you know, making this panicked face, like, oh shit, and then like his, he's like move, he's like kind of like moving his body away from his arm where his arm literally still has like a dog attached to it. it this should have went down as one of those stories where like Tim Zoo's team just finds like a random picture off of Google images and just posts that as like the image. I think didn't who, what fighter got injured like within the last year and they posted pictures off of like Google images as like their, their injury proof. Was it Billy Joe Saunders? I mean, it wasn't the last year or whatever, but. Uh, I don't remember. I know which one you're talking about, but I also will. I mean, I'm not above posting like uh, <laughs> like what they should do. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually just look for this and post it. I'm going to look for a guy with his arm bandaged up, arm bandaged from dog bite, and just post that and say, here's a pic from uh, Tim Zoo. That's all you have to do. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. They definitely should post a picture, though. We need to see how badly Tim got bit. That it required emergency surgery. And how is it that you get emergency surgery and you're down to still fight within three weeks? I mean, the good thing is, like, at the end of the day, we're still getting the fight. I think it should be like a fun fight for as long as it lasts. I think Ocampo. Okay. 
I, it I sounds don't like know that we're still getting the fight. You, no? Like, imagine Tim comes out and they're like, he's still got like some bandages on his so arm. Crazy. What <laughs> if he develops? I heard rabies? isn't rabies pretty bad? Like, doesn't it make you like scared of water and you just like dehydrate and die? Dude, rabies kills you. There's yeah, no, rabies kills you. Like, there's once you get it, it's over. It's scary. Keep keep rabies away from me. Uh, all right. The following weekend, we got Kazuto Ioka versus Joshua Franco. Edgar Berlanga versus Jason Quigley. And Carlos Adamas versus Julian Williams. Which fight you think goes more rounds? Berlanga Quigley or Adamas Williams? Mm, I'm going to go with J-Rock and Adamas. I, and, and that's like that's controversial, I think. But yeah. I think J-Rock will fight very... Nah, not not that um, Berlanga is Demetrius Andrade because at the end of the day, um, you can say a lot about Demetrius, but he is still like an actually legitimately talented fighter. But Quigley lasted two rounds with Andrade and like his style is not the style of like, I'm trying to get you out of there real quick. Andrade is like willing to play with his food a bit. And Quigley went in there and, and folded under two. Belonga's only got one or two rounds in him where he can throw punches before he resigns himself to like doing whatever shitty facsimile of boxing he he is capable of. But I imagine this one is one of those under three round type of fights. So yeah, I do think that um, the Quigley fight winds up being like a first round knockout. The following week, they are... The, I just want to say, of all of these fights that we've listed thus far and to come, um, they this is the one where I see somebody being set up to fail. Jared Anderson versus John Kosobutsky. July first is the like that the, the weekend of July fourth. That is the worst time to do a card. No one watches TV, and they won't like. I, I don't see this card doing very well whatsoever. Uh, but yeah. July 8th, the following weekend, we got Stanionis versus Ortiz. It's a great fight. We got Cambosos versus Maxi Hughes on July 22nd. July 25th, Stephen Fulton versus Naoya Inouye. July 29th, Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Archer Betterbiev and Callum Smith, August 19th. There are some cards here that I got, uh, you know, I got them under, under wraps that I can't reveal yet. But I feel like we got a real good... You know, every weekend we have something to watch. And I think we mostly got, at, at a minimum, very interesting A-side guys in these fights. You know, the only slow weekends you can really point to is really the July 1st one. And there's nothing... Wait, no. July 15th, there's a... Is that the rumored boots card? I think so, yes. No, that's Frank Martin, isn't it? Yeah, Frank Martin versus I don't remember what his name is, but he's fighting like a an eliminator, I think. Frank Martin is gonna get that July fifteenth date. I mean, yeah, every weekend we got at at a minimum like a real nice A side at a minimum. I'm just I'm also looking forward to the rest of the PBC schedule. There's just a lot of guys that don't have their 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 dates aren't, you know, on I feel like they have their dates now. What, now that Spence Crawford is is finalized, yeah, but we they're not they public though. It. They're not public. The question, like you, you, the question is, you know them, yeah, and I know when, them. When when are they going to become but public? The streets don't know them yet. 
Uh, I'm trying to think if are there any other rumors that. No, nah, I feel like there was a top rank card that. I guess the Valdez um, Navarrete card. I don't remember when that is. I think it's in August. I don't remember the date, but that's that's done, right? I think I don't know that it's official yet, but I, I'm pretty sure I heard that 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 was going to be that that fight was going to happen sometime in August, which is uh, should be a good fight. It should be an entertaining one. Anyway, let's let's go on to uh, a bit of news here. Ryan Garcia. There's this whole ordeal happening right now with Ryan Garcia. And that is that Golden Boy came out and said that they had discussed fights with Ryan. Ryan came out and says, uh, these are the three opponents that I would like to fight. Ryan Garcia's advisor came out and said, um, we have not met with Golden Boy. We have not talked to Golden Boy about anything regarding Ryan's future. Then Oscar came out and was just like, we are looking at Manny Pacquiao as a potential opponent for Ryan's uh, next fight. And Ryan came out and said, this isn't happening. I said what I wanted. It's frustrating. Tired of this. Now, let me ask you, what do you think um, he means think by that? Ryan has got a taste of a certain lifestyle. You know, he's <laughs> he was just in a fight that did 1.2 million pay-per-views and had a top 10 gate in Vegas history in boxing. I'm pretty top 10, right? Top five. Okay. So top five. I think it was top five. Uh, the promotion was great. The organizers seemed to do a great job. The distributor was great. The main one, at least. And I, I don't think Ryan is looking to go backwards, but when your team is trying to bring you backwards, it's just we're looking to go in two different directions. And Oscar being as unprofessional as he is doesn't help things out, I don't think. And so I just think Ryan's tired of Oscar's act. I think he's tired of being chained to the zone. I think he's tired of the partnership in general. And he's looking to do bigger and better things. And I, I think, to be honest, I think if Oscar was more willing to play ball you know like ryan would be too but it's just they're just not you know it's just, <laughs> they're not oscar's not looking to work with ryan he's looking to like order ryan around and i just i don't think it's gonna work i think golden boy has a view of what they see ryan as being capable of like in terms of the the, the type of opponent that he should be facing and I think they're looking at it mostly from like what benefits them. They got a gravy chain train that they got to keep going. And for Ryan, this is a guy that wants to do big events. He wants to do fights that interest him. And obviously the Roly fight is perfect for him at this point. I mean, it, it's like the fastest and easiest way for this dude to grab his first world title. And, you know, the real interesting part about what was said is that his advisor was like yeah we don't really want to we are reluctant to do DAZN we want we would prefer to work with Showtime the opponents that they want seem to be Showtime fighters in Roley and Isaac Cruz primarily being the guys that he would like to fight and so it just seems to me like Ryan isn't interested in having to deal with golden boy as his promoter where you have a, a 
specifically Oscar publicly, you know, we don't know who, what people are doing behind the scenes, but we do know what Oscar's doing publicly. And it seems like Oscar is always out of sync with what Ryan wants and what Ryan is trying to do. And where Ryan, who you, you got to realize like Ryan is unique as a fighter in that very few fighters operate outside of their promotion and outside of like whatever, you know, whether if it's PBC, you know, them being connected to PBC, we're like, if you're a top rank guy, you're a PBC guy, like they generally are going to handle everything for you. So you have like PBC doing your PR for you. They're going to set you up with all that stuff. Top rank's going to do it as well. They may contract out to other PR firms to assist with like the promotion of your fights for your career. And outside of your fighting, you know, when you've got a fight announced, generally you don't see fighters doing too much. But Ryan is different. Ryan has a full team working for him year round and their main focus is him. It's not the fight he's having. It's not him plus the 45 other people that are on the roster. It's just him. He has his own team, his own management, his own representation. And so for him, he has these people that are managing him like he's an actual legitimate celebrity. It becomes difficult when the lone unprofessional person that's part of the project also seems to have (coughs) a pretty big influence on your perception and what people think you're going to do. And for Ryan, who's really focused on his image, I think that Golden Boy and specifically Oscar are just fucking up the plans here. And... You know, he, he makes a tweet like, this is frustrating. And like, this is not the first time he's tweeted out how frustrating it is to deal with these guys. Well, I think it's like beyond the fact that Ryan has like his own team all around. I think there's a bigger issue that's missed. And it's like when we take a look at each boxing, whatever you want to call it, like organization, they're structured a certain way to like handle their guys right like pbc is structured to handle a star like they're able to create a star from scratch like let's use tank for example tank along with mayweather promotions created i'm sorry pbc along with mayweather promotions created a star in tank and as tank star grew they had a platform that could handle the weight of a star and top rank kind of worked a little bit more like the ufc where they're like, they're not as concerned with creating a star. I don't think they want a fighter that's bigger than top rank is, but they pay really well. So although you're not the tank of the division, you're not the Errol Spence of the division, you're not the Wilder of the division, you're still compensated like you are. So you're like, all right, well, I'm paid like those guys are, so what difference does it make? I I think Golden Boy is in this weird middle ground where like, they're able to make stars because they're so connected to like the the demographic that they serve, like the the Latino boxing community. They do a great job of like building those fighters. But once they hit the point of like massive su- superstardom, they're not structured in a way that could support these guys. Like because the the truth of the matter is 
Golden Boy and DAZN, it's like that's such like that limits your stardom. And Golden Boy doesn't seem willing to like do a deal with Top Rank or do a deal with PBC. And if they were were more willing, I think that would help their company. But because they're not, you have Ryan who's on like the true cusp. Like Ryan and Roly is a pay-per-view fight. It probably does at worst three to four hundred thousand buys. At worst. Um, I think I would buy it. And that that just is not the case on the zone. So Ryan is losing. Uh his options for opponents suddenly isn't as interesting. Um he he's not getting paid the same. And the DAZN platform, it's just the, nothing changes. They just stay, they stay where they're at. And so it's, it's just a, it's, you know, for someone like Ryan, it's a lose to be on Golden Boy or a loss, however you want to say it. Lose, lose, loss, whatever. Do you agree, disagree? What do you think? No, I agree with that. Um, it, it's just clear to me that Ryan, while maybe he's not actively looking for his way out of Golden Boy, but it's very clear that the frustration is starting to build for him, perhaps to a level that may be no longer tolerable in having to do business with them on a consistent basis. And I mean, maybe you could say have so much of your career be reliant on these people. But like professional like or not, if Golden Boy just had like a proper network that they were partnered with. I think Ryan would be all right because then you could you could you could throw a legitimate pay per view. I mean, in the, in the quote we read about the situation, it said that Ryan's team wasn't happy with how DAZN handled the pay per view for the Tank Ryan fight, and I don't think I, I feel like that mm-hmm. trust can't be certain certain you know certain things like once they're broke they can't be repaired, and I, I don't see like. And you were like Ryan wanting to go back to the zone, like, hey, let's try it again. Like you've already lost fan, the uh, boxing fan trust. You lost that. So like, why go back? You only get one chance to do the fight. If it sucks again, there no one's gonna ever order a pay per view, and you're already dealing with less people that's gonna want to order it anyway. Also, when Tank and Ryan fought on pay per view, where was the zones like all access content? Where was their like special programming? Where was their shoulder program? They, I don't remember them doing anything. They, well, I'll defend that. I don't. I pro. I my guess is that they really did, couldn't. Like the, the fighters are not sure. Gonna but allow do you okay? But do you remember anything? To film like, them. did they do anything for Ryan? Like, it doesn't have to be all access. Did they do anything? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I either. don't if that, know. If I don't I'm think Ryan, so. I'm like that's kind of whack. Like. You didn't have me in to do like a a speed round of like, okay, who who's your Mount Rushmore? What does this fight mean to you? Uh like what do you think of Tank's skill set or whatever? Just anything to like drum up the fight a little bit. Interview interview other celebrities, do something. They didn't I don't remember them doing anything. And if I'm a fighter, I'm like, bro, like these guys are lazy. They don't do anything. They don't do anything for my brand. I'm supposed to just like help these guys and don't do anything. What's the point of me helping them? I am not down. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see that potentially uh, being one of the reasons why, but I, I, I honestly no, sure, not like we're we're know, speculating, but we're speculating. I'm speculating. I, I, I don't really like know. I'm just thinking if it was me, if or if Ryan was like, I was managing Ryan, 
I want no parts of DAZN. I want to do a Roly fight on Showtime pay-per-view and make lots of money. Well, I, I think, I mean, that Roly fight is just like, I don't know how you don't bend over backwards to make that happen. That is, you know, there was a season finale, series finale of Succession, which we've talked about on the Patreon podcast, Terrible which show. you're not a believer of. And you're no, 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 just kidding. Just kidding. I, I didn't it, listen. About. Maybe you had a slow start. I got to I got to go back and try it again. But in the final season, um, there's something that they discuss. And I think most people are, are might be familiar with this term, but it's the golden parachute, which is the out. And in the, you know, in the um, the final season, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but a little bit of spoiler if you've never seen I guess like the last season and a half, but they start looking at potentially selling the company and some people are for it. Some people are against it. And some of the older people see it. They're like, sell the company. Hell yeah. Golden parachute. Like cool. And this is basically fighting tank. The golden parachute is like, Oh, really has a world title. We'll just go fight him. At the division we actually want to be fighting at now, cool. I mean, the only problem is the WBA has to play ball here, and I'm not sure that they are going to play ball. You know, they're trying to say that O'Hara Davies needs to get that shot, which I don't agree with. I don't think O'Hara Davies deserves a shot. He his wins, quote unquote, to put him in contention to be fighting for a title, not necessarily impressive whatsoever. And uh, he's already got two losses, neither of which is are avenged. And both fighters still compete at the division, at the same division. One, including Jack Catterall, who, I mean, just fought this weekend. But, like, I can't think of a guy whose career has basically been squandered the way his has been in recent memory. Where dude almost gets to the top of the mountain, deserves to get that win over Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor's on to bigger and better things. And Jack Catterall is fighting on undercards and no one cares. I, I no would like knows. to say real quick, I just think the way the WBA handled the whole thing was stupid. Like if it was me, I would have liked for them to do a, just do a regular championship belt. And then once we know what's going on with um, the Dominican kid, have Roley fight him. And then you just have the title reduction. I knew that once, they tried to like create some like tournament thing. It's it's gonna get sloppy because people are gonna want Roly because Roly is not he's a vulnerable champion. But you're gonna have to honor this like your rankings. But the the rankings are always jacked up because if a guy isn't with PBC, it's gonna be complicated. Or if a guy isn't with top rank or DAZN or whoever, it's gonna be complicated. I don't even know who O'Hara Davies is with, but like. I, I don't even see the fight happening. Like, if you're Roly or whoever represents Roly, whether it's TMT or Heyman or who, I don't even know who Roly is with exactly. Why would you do that fight? Like, that's not a big, it's not a big name. You could fight Ryan. Like, I'd drop the belt before I fight O'Hara Davies. And that maybe people may hate on that, but like, the people who are going to watch Ryan versus Roly won't care about that, to be completely honest. I, I think you're right, but I do think that the fight um, is it's no, just got a different quality to it. Of course, and of course, and like, 
there probably will be a conversation of like O'Hara Davies stepping aside. Like there will be calls made to him and his team. Like, look, we have the chance. I have the chance to be on pay-per-view like, uh, or my client does speaking on Roley's behalf. Take this money, sit aside. It's probably more money than you get if we fought you anyway. And you could get the winner or, or whatever. Some kind of arrangement can be made. But but if but if you want to be stubborn and try to do this like I want to fight for the belt shit I don't care about step aside money you're you're not fighting us it's not happening so don't even like and and here's a crazy thing right you said it O'Hara Davies is trash whoever say they drop the belt whoever O'Hara Davies has to fight for the belt is going to be O'Hara Davies so he he would be best off taking that step aside money because it it's going to be Kenneth Sims. Batir Akhmadov or whatever, or the Dominican kid. What's his name? Um, that that had the the freaking clomethazine or whatever he tested. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of those three. Alberto Pollo. O'Hara Davies is not beating any one of those three guys. <clears throat> it's kind of just yeah, he could be Roly, but that's be not Roley, saying but a whole lot. I mean, like, I you know, give me two years, and I don't know maybe. I don't know if my, I can beat him, thing, but... Go, getting back know. to Ryan and Roley real quick. Like, I wanted to ask you before I forget. Why would Golden Boy not just say, okay, Ryan, go fight on Showtime. Let's just do the same exact deal we did for Tank Ryan, where uh, DAZN can sell the fight as well, and we just go from there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I got to plead the fifth here. Because I, I... Without... Without you having to divulge any information or opinions or whatever, I just feel like that'd still be a good look for everyone involved. You know, like DAZN will get some boost off it. Uh, Golden Boy would probably get paid more than they would otherwise. And Ryan's happy. Is That's not that's not the win, you know? like My guess would be that Ryan isn't happy that Golden Boy has effectively... Golden Boy is effectively using him to secure these additional dates from so the it's zone. So it's the Canelo thing over again. But it, it's the he's Canelo not thing being compensated again, for it. Me. Yeah, but I think Ryan's contractual language clearly gives him a level of power that... Well, I guess it does give him the same amount of power, but... Clearly, he's able to, or <clears throat> I guess you could say it's not as bad as Canelo's where like Golden Boy was just like, yeah, we don't really want to see you in court. We'll just let you go. Uh, where, But Ryan seems to have this ability to put pressure on Golden Boy where they're going to have to cave to his demands. And I think this time around, he probably just doesn't want DAZN involved. And I imagine if you got Ryan on, he'd probably tell you, I don't want golden boy involved more so i mean i could see it i could see it i just you know i i'm just confused about like what i i just don't get what leverage golden boy has in this situation like tank just did a i'm sorry ryan just did a fight off of the zone so if if they're like standing in the way of it and like ryan wants to like you know go the legal route what is Golden Boy's case like? My team, like if I'm Ryan, my team has a fight agreed to with this kid over on PBC. I just fought on PBC. DAZN was involved. 
y'all signed off. Why are you not signing off now? Like, there's no, like, what's the excuse? I mean, maybe it doesn't work like that. I'm, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know, but it just seems like um, this is going to be one of the interesting storylines that's happening in boxing. It feels like this is a year where we're not getting so much of the nonsense that we typically have gotten over the last few years of like just feels like day to day there's just something new to talk about where somebody's talking out the side of their ass or somebody's contradicting themselves and we got to talk about all this drama. But it seems like this is the year where we're getting a lot more, um, you know, drug testing stuff aside, we're getting a lot of just clear like, all right, well, fight. this is the fight that's probably going to happen. Okay, fight is actually happening. Fight did happen. Either clear win or maybe a little controversy, who knows? But uh, for the most part, the sport is just kind of humming along at this point. And, and sometimes it's, you know, that's not good. I guess not good is not the right way to put it, but sometimes it's a little frustrating because that also means sometimes we just don't have any insight into certain things that are happening or not happening. No, I think it's good in this case because like we're just getting good fight after good fight after good fight. And it's not a lot of just like drama and nonsense. And I think that'll, you know, I think that's good for the sport. There's the, the next couple months, there's going to be like terrific fights and no BS, which is great. I'm and we also get resolution over Canelo, Ryan. Um, who else we got? I guess I guess a couple big names that probably don't have fights announced yet. Those guys will get their fights announced. And Deontay, yeah, sport the Browns, Bomber, Wilder, I think will be the next. No, I'm being serious. All I right, think that's right, the next right. big so, guy no, that no, we're no, going to get like some clarity on soon. Because I don't think it's going to be. Like who could who could it be? Fury, I don't think we're gonna get clarity on. Joshua, I think, is just gonna fight Dillian White, which I'm cool. I have no nothing negative <clears> to say about that. Um Wilder is like the one wild card where it's like, what the hell is he gonna do? And so Since you brought it up, who do you think Deontay I mean, Wilder Ruiz, is gonna it fight? It seems next? pretty like like what the hell else can he do, man? Like Usyk seems to fi be fighting Dubois. That seems locked in legitimately. I think Fury is just going to sit around and maybe fight some like scrub. Joshua's going to fight White part two. Cool fight. I have no beef with that. Let him and Derek James get their shit together a bit more. There's only one guy left for Wilder, and that's Ruiz. And you put that in Vegas or LA. Um, you know, in the year of big fights, it's just going to be another big fight. So it's like like riding off of all that positive momentum will help the fight. It'll help Wilder be back in the picture, regain his status a little bit. And so I, I think it's a win. I definitely don't think he's going to sit aside and wait for, like, this Dubai shit to happen. It seems very, like, not, like, official, you know? I don't want to say illegitimate, but it just doesn't seem like it's, <laughs> like, where's the momentum for this, like, super heavyweight card where it's, like, Fury, Wilder, Joshua, and Usyk all on the same card? That shit isn't happening. So in the meantime, what do you do? Just wait till December till it might happen or do a, a pay-per-view with Andy Ruiz in L.A. Or maybe even Dallas if you're not interested in Vegas, which I don't think Wilder is. So that's my my theory until until uh, I see otherwise. Wait, are you From still bomb, in the bomb, bomb squad or did like they kick you out? Kick outable. You retired your jersey. I left the bomb squad. 
Well, no, they they retired my jersey. Okay. It's up in the rafters, but I left the bomb squad. And I'll tell you why. Is because I don't like the way Deontay's been moving. He's this been past doing year. some unique things, but like I think all can be forgotten if he just does one thing, and that one thing is what I just explained. And I think we get it. I do. I don't like what options does he have if not Andy Ruiz? Will I do a, a fourth Fury fight? Like that's not. I don't think that's happening. So, however, I will say that um, if Deontay does indeed fight Andy Ruiz next, I might have to send out the facts that Put says the, I'm uh, back. The bad signal in the air. The, the SP signal in the air. Yeah. Look, there's always... I might be back. Against Andy Ruiz? No, no, no. Who do we want to win at this point? Because Andy's been out here, you know, having a good time, living his life. Perhaps with prostitutes, allegedly. Nah, we want DW to win. It's not like and, and, Andy's out here. Andy's at you two. Sure you don't want here. Andy? I don't know what's going you, on with Andy. But that's what I'm saying. Like Deontay's a good guy at the at like you know at his heart. Deontay's a good guy. He he. I mean, Telly ain't giving you no reasons to be you know looking elsewhere. You know what I'm saying? But uh, he ain't out here needing to pay child support. Andy, on the other hand, <clears throat> you know, it's getting a little rough out here. And this dude might might be needing them pain. Andy's moving a little crazy. You know what I'm saying? And so now nah, imagine if Andy beats Deontay. Like he'll go crazier uh, than he did when he beat. I mean, Andy if Joshua. Andy beats Wilder, like he's a star, man. Like in the year of the big fight, anyone that wins like a big fight in the year of the big fight is stock is going through the roof to the moon um there's no better year to capitalize on being in a pay-per-view or something close to it and so if if, uh i was gonna say ryan if andy could pull off a dw win that'd be big for his career man i mean i I don't see it but it would be a big play all right well we just did a pregame podcast where we got into um well, it was a conversation that went in a lot of different directions, but we were kind of looking at 1992 and how you had HBO, you had Showtime, and another, you know, unheralded, out of nowhere player came into boxing and, uh, I mean, not to spoil it, but quickly found the exit. So we just kind of talked about that and sort of some of the things that were going on at the time. We just did an episode on that on the Patreon. If you want to get into more, like, I don't know how to describe it, like random things in, in boxing history, but also just current topics that we don't have time for on the regular podcast. Get over to the Patreon. You sign up. Uh, you can choose whatever tier you want. There, You know, $1 or whatever. Uh, get more podcasts. Get more boxing discussion. Get access to the chat so you can um, either talk about boxing or see people in the chat uh, talk about boxing. If see you want see to be people work or, argue about being cool. the king of Canada. So, <laughs> uh every so often it pops off in the chat where people got to fight but i mean like you know it happens so thanks for listening i hope you guys enjoyed it if um you don't want to sign up no hard feelings just be back here same time same place next week and uh appreciate you listening